630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. NHL tonight, early second period. Florida leading Toronto 2-1. After the first, Montreal has a 1-0 lead in Columbus. Halfway through the first period, no score. Islanders and Capitals. Late first period, Ottawa has a 1-0 lead on Carolina. A young man by the name of Magnus Payarvi with the goal for the Ottawa Senators. Coming up later tonight, Penguins in Arizona. Buffalo at Vancouver. And Calgary will host Detroit. The Flames here tomorrow night at Rogers Place to take on your Edmonton Oilers. 6.30 face-off show on 6.30, Chad, and the game will start at 8. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. It is Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio, 6.30, Chad. We have a lot to get to this evening. We'll also tee up the Oil Kings game tomorrow against the Calgary Hitmen. We'll talk a bit about the NFL Conference Championship games that will be contested on Sunday, and we'll meet this week's 6.30, Chad, Air, uh, Global... Uh, 630 Chet MVP Eric Bors from the St. Albert Rangers mid- Midget AAA hockey team. You can reach out at 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. Battle of Alberta time. Well, I'm not sure if it's going to be a feisty one. Sometimes uh, we get the hype built up and then not a lot happens such as the last game in Edmonton between these two teams. They played in November, got uh, a little hairy at times. And then they played here back in December, and it was a pretty tame game, at least from the physicality and fighting department, with the Oilers winning one nothing. Dave Campbell, the producer of this show, was having some fun today. He found these highlights from October 25th, 2003. Right from the face-off, we have uh, gloves off. Here's Oliva and Larac, and here's the thundering left hands. Now Oliva throwing a hard right, and then down goes Oliva with Larac. So that was, uh, what are we at now, 15 and a half years ago for that. And uh, just for, for clarity here, and, and, I, and I hate to do this, Rod Phillips doing the play-by-play there, the legend himself doing the, the time of the game on the fly. It was actually 24 seconds. I went back and felt the box score. Three fights in the first 24 seconds of the game. That was in 2003. Will that happen tomorrow? I'm going to say I doubt it, but it would be fun. <laughs> it would be fun if it did. I, again, I referenced the game on November 17th. That was maybe the the. I mean, I'm trying to think here from uh, the years I've been covering the games, which obviously doesn't go back that far. But but still, we've had a lot of years where, and I, and I referenced this a lot. We had a listener on the show. A couple of years ago, I wish I could remember the, the person's name, called it the pillow fight of Alberta. And there may have been some games that got a little physical or a little nastier, but there haven't been a lot of games where the teams were close in the standings. We, as you all know very well, the Oilers went 10 years without making the playoffs. During that time, the Flames weren't really a great team either. They had some good teams. I don't know if they had a, uh, any great teams, and they missed the playoffs their fair share of years as well. They both got in 
a couple of years ago. And uh, this year, the Flames clearly are going to get in. The Oilers are in Will C mode. So it is a, a meaningful game tomorrow. The Oilers trying to fight for playoffs position. The Flames trying to stay up there in the standings, uh, stay first in the division. But the game on November 17th in Calgary, it, it was on the brink of maybe some stuff happening. Certainly, Kachuk was making an impression on the Oilers. They spent some time trying to get after him. So, so there, there were some, some intense moments in that game a couple of months. Bennett and Nurse are going to fight, and this started on the first shift of the game. Nurse drilled him with a right hand, then missed with a wild right. Lands a right to the shoulder. Bennett and Nurse stretching one another out. They were going at it for a while, and Nurse threw one over the top as the linesmen move to separate the two. Gibbons and Golritz will separate as they strung one another out, and they were just firing away. Back-checking McDavid broke it up and left it for Dreisaitl, and now coming over is Backlund, and you got a 2-on-1 on Connor McDavid, who is back on the ice, and Backlund is drilling him, and the Oilers are trying everything they can to get in there. Kachuk's now on top of McDavid, and Dreisaitl's going after him. It was, for a moment, two-on-one, and now Backlund and McDavid are still angry and pushing and shoving. Kara off the draw, lost the handle, and Cassian's trying to get Kachuk to go here. And we're going to have a penalty, and now Cassian is just punching away at Matthew Kachuk, and now we're going to have significant penalties. Cassian was going to get a two for unsportsmanlike, and he may get far more than that. Kachuk wouldn't take the fight, and Cassian decided to take the fight to him and drilled him twice as Kachuk covered up. And the Oilers were doing okay in that game, up 2-0, wound up eventually losing 4-2 in what turned out to be the second-last game coached by Todd McClellan. Remember, they played Vegas at Rogers Place the night after that, lost badly, flew to San Jose for a game on November 20th, and McClellan was let go that morning. But those were uh, some of the festivities from the game on November 17th. So Zach Cassian today asked about going up against Matthew Kachuk. I don't like Kachuk the way he plays. Like he's a good player, but you want me to point? He's, no, he's one of their one of their better players on their team. It's I don't like some of the stuff he does at times, but um, that's the way hockey is. I'm sure guys don't like what I do to sometimes out there. So it's it's one of those things. It's in it's in the the nature of hockey to not like other teams, not like other people on other teams. That's just the way it is. Especially when you're in the Battle of Alberta. That's uh, that's nothing new for for the game of hockey or us. All right, so, yeah, you heard Cassian say it. He doesn't like some of the things Kachuk does, and then he says, I'm sure teams don't like some of the things I do. I actually wish Cassian would do more things that other teams don't like. Maybe he'll be able to do some tomorrow. You you know, we've been talking a, a lot about this over the last couple of months since that game. And I think now in in this market, we talk about it a lot since McDavid is on the team, and he's... You know, he's going to be a high-scoring player for the next several, several years. He's already won the last two scoring titles. So some teams are going to try to bother him and go after him. What should the Oilers do about it? You may have heard Matthew Barnaby on the show earlier this week. There is not as much fighting in the National Hockey League. It's, It's relatively easy, I think, for a player to just turn down a fight or not do it. And a lot of players have come up through junior not having to fight, not having to be accountable in the same way. So what do you do? Well, you target the star players. And I think that's what happened probably during that game in Calgary on November 17th that maybe Matthew Kachuk and some other Flames players might have heard um, it's going to be a long night for Goudreau and Edmonton. 
you know, if, if you want to play that way. Now, I think the Oilers should probably do that anyway and, and, you know, to some extent make it as hard as possible on the other team's star players. Within the rules, you don't have to elbow, you don't have to slash, but play a physical game. Now, easier said than done because Goudreau's pretty hard to catch up to in body check, but you could irritate the guy. Now, again, then the Flames are going to say, well, maybe we uh, give McDavid the odd extra slash. Back and forth you go with the gamesmanship, um, but clearly it was a lot quieter Matthew Kachuk when uh, they played the game here in Edmonton in December. So, uh, you know, I hope it gets a little heated. I hope it's feisty. Head coach Ken Hitchcock commenting today. You always tell your players, just play to the whistle, but the goddamn whistle goes so long that you end up going way past the whistle, and so it's highly entertaining, and what the hell, let's see where it goes. But No, but the one thing he does is... uh, He's a very unique player in that he gets you revved up and then he makes you pay for your mistakes when you're revved up. So he gets you running around out of position and then dings you because of it. So, Well, and that's the thing about Kachuk. He can uh, irritate you and he can score. I mean, he's been in the top 20 in scoring in the NHL most of the season. We have it for you tomorrow night on 6.30, Chet. All that stuff aside, there will be a hockey game and the Calgary Flames, an excellent team. The Edmonton Oilers, quite mediocre for most of the season, though they have won three of their last four. So what about that part of it, Hitch? Well, they can't play our game and we can't play their game. So if they want to play our game, we're going to win. And if we play their game, they're going to win. So we have a certain way we play, and it's very effective. We showed that in the one nothing game, uh, and they showed their flair in the game that they beat us in Calgary. And so for me, whoever gets their game out there is going to win, but we're not afraid to play them. And I know they've had a heck of a year, but we're coming on, and we'll see. All right, and Calgary is playing tonight. Tomorrow will be their third game in four days, if you believe that is going to be a factor. I'll discuss that with Jack Michaels when we have him on between 6.30 and 7. One of the ongoing storylines for the Edmonton Oilers is the handling of Yessi Puliyarvi, and I think now you can lump Kyler Yamamoto into that. Two young players who are learning on the fly here, and it's not easy. And Ken Hitchcock admitted that today. We're going to get into some of his comments. I imagine you'll have thoughts on them. You can reach out as well. It's 616 Inside Sports on 630 Chat. All right, hope your weekend's off to a great start. Thanks for tuning in to Inside Sports tonight. So we have Oilers and Flames tomorrow, Oilers and Hurricanes on Sunday, Oilers and Red Wings on Tuesday, and then the Oilers go into the All-Star break and their bye week. So they won't after Tuesday, they will not play again until Saturday, February 2nd. You can reach out tonight, 780-496-0063. You can text 63630. Nashville's Ryan Johansson, two-game suspension for high-sticking the Jets' Mark Shifley last night. Jeremy O'Day takes over as general manager of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Of course, the story this week, Chris Jones leaving for the NFL, leaving for the Cleveland Browns. All right. You know what? We we know the Oilers don't have a deep team. And uh, we know that, that scoring has been an issue. And, you know, the, the Oilers have been around 20th in goals for most of the season. And that's not very good, but you can actually make the playoffs 
with being in that range for goals for. I mean, you can't be last, but I mean, 18th, 20th, 22nd, you can get in if you keep the goals against down. Well, they're, they're 23rd in goals against. That is going to have to improve if they're going to get in. So they on nights players aren't scoring, they, they have to impact the game another way. Hitchcock has talked about this. He calls it getting on the grind, controlling the lines on the ice. Well, they have a couple of 20-year-old players who are currently on the roster, and one of them is Jesse Pugliarvi. And you remember what Hitch did. He took over on a Tuesday. By the weekend, he said he's telling Peter Shirelli, I want Pugliarvi up from the minors. I, I want him to learn in the NHL, have NHL practices, play in NHL games. Well, Pugliarvi continues to, to me anyway, look like a player who's not very confident, who isn't really sure of himself out there, where he's going, where the puck is going to go, all that kind of stuff. Uh, he, occasionally he has a good game or makes some good plays. There's not a lot of consistency there. Yamamoto returned on Wednesday night after missing eight games with an upper body injury. To me, he clearly appears to be a smart player with more confidence, is more aware of where the puck should go, of how to keep plays alive. Uh, of how to play uh, more of a congested game, which is interesting because he's a smaller guy, so you might think he'd have more trouble in traffic, but he seems much better navigating it than Pugliarvi is. I still believe, in a perfect world, Jesse Pugliarvi is is in the American Hockey League, and, and I think he should have been there since day one. Yamamoto probably should be there, but he's a flat-out better player than Pugliarvi and on a lineup that doesn't have a lot of depth he's I think he's more of a threat to score a goal than create offense and than Pugliarvi but Ken Hitchcock after practice today at the downtown community rink really got into talking about these two players I'm not sure if you're going to be encouraged by some of what you're about to hear here but uh, here's Hitchcock basically saying you don't develop players in the NHL you don't try to develop them you you run them until they run out of gas, and then when they run out of gas, you you back them off and and work with them again. But they they you know when we play them and put them in the lineup, we don't treat them as 20 year olds. They're players. Uh, the next day, like today, <clears throat> when we talked to all of our young guys today, and, and we had little individual meetings today, you know we we asked them how they were doing, and we asked them where we could help them. But when they when they put the sweater on, Jason, they're they better play. That's their job. That's what they got to do, and they know that. Uh, individually and collectively, they're finding it really hard. This is, I wouldn't say a surprise to them, but it's a, uh, a little bit overwhelming at times because they found another gear since Christmas time in the league that they didn't anticipate. So they're uh, they're having a difficult time. We talked to Jesse about it today. You know he. He can't believe the difference in the temperature of the games now. Um, and it's going to take some getting used to. But but like I said to him, you're expected to play, and you're expected to play well when you put the sweater on. All right. Well, I don't know about you, but to me, that's not the most encouraging clip. You uh, you run them until you run run them out of gas. Now, I, I know we said you don't develop players in the NHL, but there, there's always going to be teaching moments you can take a player aside. You, you, I think even with veteran players, you expect them to learn. So I, I don't know if Hitch really means, well, I, I, you know, I just expect him to already know how to do everything. Every player is at a different point. You are, you are going to need young players in your lineup. But he said they found it a little bit overwhelming. The intensity of games has ramped up after Christmas, and most veterans will tell you that. Alex Chason said it great in the preseason. It's a different league in September to January to March to the playoffs. And 
you know, he said that Yamamoto and Puliyarvi didn't anticipate there being another gear. Now, Yamamoto hasn't played as much. This probably pertains more to Puliyarvi. But this is... This is concerning to me for a couple of reasons. The Oilers are, are trying to make the playoffs. If you're basically saying two of the 12 forwards that are, are going to play, some nights are just going to be mentally and physically overwhelmed because they've never been through it before. Well, this is a team that doesn't have a very deep bench to begin with. So if you keep cutting minutes back, you're, you're going to run out of guys who can contribute. And if we're talking about these players improving and one day being contributing Edmonton Oilers, or let's be honest here, or one day being trade bait to get something they contribute immediately, does it seem like we're on that path? Because it doesn't to me. Now, look, I know with Hitch, sometimes you have to take what he says with a grain of salt. Uh, I think sometimes he will take the conversation where he where he wants it to go and try to create the story. But if, if that's the story he's creating today, um, that we're going to run these players until we run them out of gas and that the league is just going to keep getting tougher and tougher and they're kind of not prepared for it, then, uh, again, you're looking at, A, why are these guys here? B, why hasn't the GM found players who are more capable of playing this? And if they really can't be here, are, are there other options? in the organization well I don't know probably not guys who are threats to score which I think Yamamoto can be I know Puliyarvi has four goals this season but a lot of nights he doesn't look like a threat to score or look like he really knows what to do with the puck uh, Hitchcock was asked if Yamamoto has a higher ceiling than Puliyarvi he's he hasn't had the wear and terror of the season that Jesse's had you know this is it's a hard goal for a 20 year old when you're counting on 20 year olds like it's not like we we slip them in and we play them once in a while and stuff like that. We're playing them, these guys every night. So, you know, Yamo, we know Yamo's going to hit the wall here in a month or so. And, and, and that's just the way it is. When you decide to make and play these younger guys and you know what their top end is, their, their top end on both guys is good. You just got to go through the peaks and valley and you got to be there for them. Uh, but you also got to know when to scale them back. And it's going to be there with Yamo just like it was with Jesse. I think um, this was a, a hard week because... Jesse found a new level of hockey that gets played at this time of year, and I think Yamo's going to find the same thing. All right. I mean, Hitch basically said it's going to get tough for Yamamoto as well. I, I'm sure it will. I, I think because of his confidence and, and hockey IQ, he might be better equipped to handle it. But this is going to be tough. If the Oilers are going to get into the playoffs, they're, they're going to need everybody pulling on the rope here. I, I know there's three guys who do most of the pulling, but, but they're going to need other guys to pull at least a little bit. I, I don't find these comments overly encouraging today. Uh, you can let me know what you think, 780-496-0063. You can text 63630. All right, there's the Nuge. Here's what's going on in the NHL tonight. Panthers up 2-1 on Toronto, late second period. Also in the second, Canadians leading Columbus 2-zip. After the first, no score, Islanders and Capitals. Senators lead Carolina 1-0, early second period. Calgary and Detroit in half an hour. Same deal with Penguins and Coyotes at 8 o'clock. It's the Sabres taking on 
The Canucks, Oil Kings play tomorrow in the afternoon at Rogers Place. It's a doubleheader against the Hitmen. We'll have Oil Kings head coach Brad Lauer on the show in about half an hour. You can text 630-630. The Fizzler says, I can't believe the Oilers are mismanaging their young talent given their proven track record of success developing prospects. That is from the Fizzler, who doesn't comment often, but when he does, he makes it count. I believe that is the Fizzler's first text to Inside Sports of 2019. I'm not sure if that's really historic or not. Just, <laughs> just pointing that out. I think you're correct, yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, Brent says, hey, Reed, what else are they going to do with these young guys? They are too good for the minors. The best way to learn at this level is to play at this level. I think there's a method to Hitchcock's madness. That's how uh, to develop them. Unfortunately, it may be at the expense of the team a little bit, but what else can we do? I'm tired of developing players, uh, getting rid of them, and getting players who are no better. I think Pugliarvi is doing better than Spooner. That is from Brent. Well, that's, I guess that's probably true. Uh, Spooner has set the bar pretty low. He does have a couple of goals. Okay, uh, Kelly from Fort Vermilion. That's all, that's that's way up there, Kellen. That's that's far north, buddy. Yeah, I was going to say, is that northwest? Yes. Or, yeah, it's near high. Go. It's uh, near high level because Fort McMurray's northeast. Yeah. Oh, this is uh, this is, this is okay. further north than 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 uh, Fort McMurray. Gotcha. Uh, Fort McMurray. Uh, for Kelly from Fort Vermilion. The question you asked, Reed, why hasn't the GM found any players that can play is that the GM that we have is the worst in the league. He doesn't make good decisions. He trades away our good players. So that's an obvious answer for that question. I'm really hoping the upper management has handcuffs on him around the trade deadline because he's known to give away franchise players for a bag of pucks. That is from Kelly in Fort, Verm- Fort Vermilion. And Yakashev says the Oilers don't have a deep team. Scoring is an issue. There's one player who was scoring on this team, Raddy. He wasn't given a fair opportunity when he returned from his injury. And Hitchcock has a predetermined judgment on his talent. He should not be sitting out games and can be more of an asset to the team than what he is given credit for. I guess he was McClellan's revelation. And Hitchcock needs to find one of his own. That is from... Yakushev. Well, I would have Ty Ratty in the lineup, quite frankly. I know he's had some tough games, but I think he's had some good games. Uh, he doesn't score a lot. I mean, he only has a couple of goals this season. Um, but, uh, yeah, I haven't mind, he's minded Ratty's game for the most part. But, but, but again, he's not somebody who's going to score a ton. James says Pugliarvi needs to be in Bakersfield playing 18 to 20 minutes in all situations, not 9 to 11 minutes limited action on the Oilers. Send him down. Another texter says, keep playing Yamamoto. Oh, this is Greaser texting in. Keep playing Yamamoto. I think he gets it and improves quickly. You know, I, I think that's the way I lean. And, and I guess we're, we'll, we'll never know who's right. Maybe this could take a couple of years to see who who's really projecting these players properly. If I had to have one of the two young players in the lineup, I would have Yamamoto because I think he right now is his hockey IQ to use that term is higher. I think he's no, you know, knows better where to put pucks. I think he knows better how to keep plays alive. I think he's more confident and maybe like that one texter says, Pugliarvi needs to just be out there on the ice as much as possible in Bakersfield, getting touches, 
playing. If he fails, it's in a more protected environment where not as many people see him. Uh, and just, I, you know, I interviewed Yamamoto again today. I'm going to have it on the face-off show. He's just such a confident kid. And, you know, he can probably play 12, 13, 14, 15 minutes. Maybe even if he's having an off night, Hitch might be more likely to use him as opposed to pull the RV. If he's having a rough night, he tends to get stapled to the bench. Zach says Yamamoto and Yessi are not doing any better than Raddy and Spooner. There is no point in having them here. Let them go dominate in the NHL. What a joke of an organization. All right. Well, thank you for that, Zach. We will take a quick timeout, and we will bring in Jack Michaels from the Oilers play-by-play booth when we get back. He is the play-by-play voice of the Edmonton Oilers on 630 Chad and the Oilers Radio Network. You will hear him calling the Oilers and the Flames tomorrow night. He is my buddy Jack Michaels. Jack, welcome back to Inside Sports. How are you doing? Always a pleasure, Reed. I've been counting the days until I was back on again. Well, I know it's a big deal for you to come on the show, and you are probably one of our most popular guests, I guess. So it's good to have you on. <laughs> there was only three qualifiers in that statement. Congratulations, Reed. Yeah. Well, I don't. I don't want to pump your tires too much, but I know you're. I, I think probably. I guess and one of. I think those qualifiers made sure that you didn't pump my tires. Yeah. No danger. Don't want to commit. I don't want to commit. No. Hey, Edmonton, Calgary tomorrow. Are you do you think okay I might have to have a good fight call ready like you, you got to be ready to rock and roll just in case I know the teams are downplaying it but do you get ready to rock and roll with some of your best fight lingo just in case I was I was kind of jacked for it last time but you got to remember it's the same scenario I mean unfortunately for Edmontonians I think we're going to see a bit of a muted version again because just as was the case last time I expect a quiet night because it's Calgary's second of a back-to-back and third and four nights just as was the case last time and as you recall you know Calgary came in and you know I mean they didn't play poorly but I would say it was a muted performance and Koskinen had a relatively quiet night I think Anthony Peluso had a goal taken off the board but other than that I don't remember Koskinen having to be spectacular among his 24 saves and Edmonton won one nothing and I'm expecting a very similar type of situation Saturday night at Rogers place I honestly think we're looking at a at a 2-1 or a one nothing game. I will say this. When, when the Oilers and the Flames get together, and I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm not quite buying what Calgary's selling right now just because I haven't seen it. Uh, I know the Flames wore the Oilers down earlier this season when Edmonton was the tired hockey club. But generally speaking, Johnny Gaudreau and Sean Monaghan don't do a whole lot against Edmonton. And, you know, until they do that... I. I just can't really, you know, put the Flames in the same category with the Jets, the Predators, the Sharks, and the Vegas Golden Knights. I'm not sure of those five teams, and there is a definitive top five right now in the Western Conference, I think the Flames are the outlier. And I know a lot of people in Alberta are thinking the other way, that they're the best team in the conference, and I've seen it all over the Internet. I'm not buying yet. Well, that's interesting because I am. <laughs> I, I, I think I know, and you're and you're one of those guys. And hey, the reason you have me on this show is I'm pretty much the opposite 
of anything you've had on the show previously. Well, that's definitely true. Uh, but but I just, <laughs> I mean, the Flames, they, they they are deep up front. They they can get after it. They can keep pucks alive. They have they have skills spread throughout the lineup. Good defense. I know Mike Smith in net has been pretty up and down. I think the Oilers are going to see Riddick tomorrow. Yeah, so they'll get they'll get Riddick tomorrow, which means Calgary's considering that the bigger game. Um, you know the the Edmonton game. I I because I think right now Mike Smith's the number two, um, and and there's there's a, probably a similar gap between Riddick and Smith as to what there is between uh, Koskinen and, and Talbot right now, which is to say that the number one job still is a little bit up in the air. But to me, them starting Smith tonight against Detroit means they are putting some emphasis on tomorrow's game. Because I think, you know, front end of a back-to-back, generally speaking, even if the opponent weren't Calgary, I, I, I think Koskinen would get the first start for Edmonton. Yeah, I would expect Koskinen to, to, to play tomorrow. But, yeah, I mean, I, I wonder, too, what's going to happen. I mean, the Oilers were said... You know, kind of sure it's the Battle of Alberta. We're not going to target any specific players. Cassian said, well, I don't like some of the stuff Kachuk does, but people around the league don't like some of the stuff I do. So so I guess fair play there as you, as you talk about the two teams matching up. I, I thought it was interesting what Hitchcock said today, that basically if uh, the game goes the way the Flames want to play, they're probably going to win. If it goes the way the Oilers want to play, they're probably going to win. And, and kind of similar to what Hitch said earlier this week against Buffalo, that if they let the Sabres skate and, and get moving the puck, that's to the disadvantage of the Edmonton Oilers. I mean, Hitch is really preaching that outside of a couple guys, the Oilers need to be a grind team, and he's emphasized knowing the lines on the ice and trying to win the battles in those areas. Well, and that's where Calgary has been strong this year. I mean, again, the Flames, very similar to the Oilers. I mean, the Oilers have the you know, the big guns up front with, you know, McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Nugent Hopkins all averaging a point per game plus. And, and Calgary has an extra guy, and you mentioned it, Kachuk, and then one on defense, which is an outlier in Mark Giordano. But but then it drops off, and the flames grind you down, and that's where the, you know, that's where the depth of the lineups. And when Calgary has had success against Edmonton, it's not been Johnny Gaudreau and Sean Monaghan wheeling and dealing. It's been a guy like Matthew Kachuk or Michael Froelich or Michael Backlund. Those are the guys that have been the difference when Calgary's had the success against Edmonton. When the Oilers have had success, those guys are negated, and the top guys, as per usual, you know, don't have huge nights. And again, I, you know, Monaghan and Gaudreau do not have outstanding numbers against Edmonton. I, I, I and I just, like I said, I, I feel like the Flames um are are short in that regard i i don't i don't think you know similar to edmonton i i think it must be said there's a there's a comparison to be made i don't think the flames have a goaltender anywhere near the level of a mark andre Fleury, uh or a pecorine or when he's on connor hellbuck although he's not having a great year um you know so that that's why i i just i wouldn't put the flames in that category and again i i i know i'm kind of uh, a, a bit of an oddball when it comes to that deal. A lot of people think Calgary's got the best team hands down in the Western Conference. I, I think Edmonton is is a tough matchup for Calgary, and I quite frankly think the way the Western Conference is setting up this year, Reed, and I'll say this right now, uh, there's a top five and then there's everyone else. In fact, the Oilers with a couple wins this 
weekend will be in sixth place in the Western Conference. And it wasn't too long ago where they had lost nine of 12. They're still only five and nine in their last 14. But two wins this weekend, they're going to be sixth place in the Western Conference. They're going to be a wild card. I don't think they can, at this stage, realistically expect to crawl into the top three. But the matchups, the way they shake out, if I'm an Edmonton fan, I want Calgary in the first round, and not just because it's the Battle of Alberta. I think that would be the toughest matchup, and I think it'd be a bit of a nightmare for the Flames, to be honest with you. All right, interesting stuff. Jack Michaels, Oilers play-by-play voice on the Oilers radio. You agree with none of this, by the way. Uh, No, I think Calgary's, uh, like, I'm... I mean, I'm afraid this is going to be another San Jose-type game tomorrow where the Oilers just never have the puck and are hemmed in and no chance. Flames are, are moving the puck around. Like, See, this is good radio because there is no chance of that happening. Well, no well I think there's a... I I, I'm hugely concerned that that is going to happen because the Oilers lately... Good. The Oilers lately... Reed, if they're 360 degrees right now, I think you're at 343 and I'm at 17. Isn't that so much better than agreeing well sure well you and i never rarely agree anyway so i'm used to, I, i'm used to this but but i mean and i look at some of the games the Oilers <laughs> have played lately too uh I, I mean this month they had the stinker in los angeles they got worked over in san jose they should have got zero points against florida but they got two and they very easily could have got zero or one against vancouver but they got two now you got to find a way to steal points and, and win some or, or get one or two where you should have got zero or one. So no problem with that. But the Oilers have got their points recently against mediocre or poor teams and have not fared well against Tampa Bay, San Jose, Winnipeg to look at some of the top teams they've played recently. So that's what worries me tomorrow. When you have a deep team that can pressure the puck and keep plays alive, that's been a nightmare formula for Edmonton lately, and I think Calgary can do all those things. Well, lately, lately, there's there's absolutely some merit to what you're saying. I mean, I, you know, Edmonton shut out Calgary in December, uh, beat Winnipeg in October, but against you know stiffer competition lately, yeah. I mean, I'm mean, Tampa's exposed everyone, and quite frankly, San Jose exposed Pittsburgh the other night in Pittsburgh might have been arguably the hottest Eastern Conference team not named Tampa Bay going into that game. I mean, you're talking about two clubs in San Jose and Tampa that have made a lot of teams look bad and a lot of teams that have much better records than the Edmonton Oilers. What my experience tells me, Reed, with this club, and and even this year, not just, you know, experience over the last couple years, but this club plays best when backed into a corner, when it seems like, they, you know, might be outmatched. They they tend to at times play to their play to the level of their opposition. And I think that was really evident in the Florida game. Because I agree with you. That was a very ho hum game. I don't think Florida played very well either. And I really felt like those were two teams trying to find their game and the Oilers were able to scrape two points out of it. And I agree with you. They very easily could have wound up with none. But I also think that in the dog days of the season, which, you know, tend to be late December through mid-January, right up through the All-Star break, uh, good teams do find a way to extract points when they have their C-plus to C-minus games. And so, you know, again, Vancouver, 
Uh, the Oilers had a, a timely overturn, and, and the Canucks missed a couple of sitters point-blank range. That's also, you know, I mean, it's an astute observation by you. Certainly Vancouver had their chances. But you know what? Edmonton had some good lucks, too. And I, I think, you know, my hunch tells me that in front of their home crowd, uh, the Oilers are, are, are going to play a little bit better because they know Calgary can expose them. Uh, and again, for me, and Ken Hitchcock said it a couple weeks ago, and I know you were there, Reed. He said we've got to take advantage of the schedule that lies before us right now. And six of the, you know, at the time, six of the seven games at home, six of the seven games against teams not in a playoff spot, and the seventh of those games, meaning Calgary, both in the playoffs and you know, you know, a home game, is a situation where the Flames are on the second of a back-to-back and are playing the third and four nights. I think that that if you were concerned about some of the things you brought up, and, and there is some merit to that, I think the scales even out based on the fact that, you know, Edmonton had Thursday off and, and a practice day on Friday. So that's what I expect to see. I, I expect to see a very tight game with Calgary uh, not wanting to turn it into a track meet because they're tired, and Edmonton determined – uh, to play to Calgary's level and, and let the Flames know they're still going to be a tough matchup for them regardless of what the team's records happen to be right now. All right, well, yeah, I, ho- I hope you're right. I hope it's a good one tomorrow. All right, so, uh, Jack, you're, one of your many claims to fame is that you're a loyal Cleveland Browns fan. Yes. And your coaching staff has added none other than Chris Jones from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Is Chris Jones the missing piece for the Cleveland Browns? No, he is, <laughs> he is not the missing piece. Uh, you know, I, I think Chris Jones, though, I mean, as, as you know, he's got some history uh, with Kitchens. Um, and, and, you know, and there's a, there's a tight network there, is, as there are in all four of the major professional sports. I, I think, though, that the Browns are, you know, when you start – creating positions and i think defensive specialists would would qualify as some you're obviously trying to round out a staff uh that can complement a roster that you feel can win a division title and i feel like of all the teams in the afc north and there's only four but i I really felt like cleveland was playing the best football at the end of the year uh and i you know they they missed by an eyelash winning at baltimore a, a game that would have knocked uh, the Ravens out of the playoffs and left the Browns basically in a first place tie with the Pitts, you know, basically a, a game behind the Pittsburgh Steelers and, and a, a game they had blown earlier in the year. So I, I think that, uh, you know, I, I think Chris Jones is going to make a contribution there. I think they're loading up both from a, a roster and a staff standpoint because they feel they can win the division next year. And part of the reason they can win the division is the same reason that Edmonton is right there in the playoff chase as opposed to Buffalo that's actually on the outside looking in despite a better record and that's because the AFC North like the Western Conference this year there's a hole in the middle there's some really good teams at the top and then there's a lot of other teams that are grappling for playoff position despite being around the 500 mark. Jack it is always a pleasure to have you on Inside Sports I will see you at the rink tomorrow. You know what I love about you, Reed, is you provide an open forum for me despite the fact you agree with virtually nothing I say. Well, yes. Well, I agree with that, Jack. But we said virtually nothing, not absolutely nothing. We'll uh, talk to the head coach of the Edmonton Oil Kings when we get back. We'll meet this week's 630 Chet MVP. All coming up on Inside Sports.
630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.